0: This is Fred Stoller. You may know me from Seinfeld, Dumb and Dumber, Get Off the Phone, Everybody Loves Raymond, and the original OG Thrill Seeker. You know what I did? I- I'm going to rent a movie. I'm not going to rewind it. <laughs> That's why I love this podcast. You are listening to Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Oh, yeah. I used to just uh, return videos and not rewind them. Screw that late fee. Yeah.
1: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike?
0: Not too bad. And yourself?
1: Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. It's been a hell of a time, Mike, in, in, in the world. Uh, vaccinations rolling out. My wife got her first vaccine shot. Nice. Yeah, so she's on the way to, I guess... Somewhat immunity or, or most mostly immunity to uh, to COVID nineteen or at least some of the variants of it. Yeah, we we're experiencing a bit of a surge, a resurgence here in uh, in Michigan. You can't you can't hold it down.
0: We still so are like kind of surging a bit. Yeah,
1: but uh, yeah, so I hope uh, hopefully that gets under control pretty soon. Um, yep. Yeah. This week though. We wanted to do something uh, special for you, because it's uh, it's a very special week for us. It was 14 years ago on this day that Mike and I first mentioned doing a podcast to each other. <laughs> Way back in 2014, we said, "What about a podcast?" Or no, wait, no, 2007. It would have been 14 years ago. Yeah. And Mike said, "What's a podcast?" <laughs> I don't even know if they were invented then. Were they? I don't know. (laughs) Mm, I think so. But in honor of that, we want to talk about two films, both from 1986. So the year all of you were born. Um, One is Cobra, the Sylvester Stallone... Do you want to call it a masterpiece, or do you want to call it a piece de resistance?
0: And we'll talk about it. It's, it's really not that good, though.
1: Uh, its tagline is, Crime is a disease, meet the cure. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and then uh, another film, similarly released in 1986, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, or as the Chinese characters say in the beginning of the movie, evil spirits make a big scene in little spiritual state they say. That's what I love. Uh, anyway, so, one of these movies, Cobra, uh, starred Sylvester Stallone and Bridget Nielsen. Music by Sylvester LeVay. Uh,
0: and Bridget Nielsen is almost, like, unrecognizable in this movie.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. She, and it's a canon movie, too. I remember that, too. Um, but it's, uh, it was made for $25 million. It grossed $160 million at the box office, huge hit for, in 1986. Uh, and, you know, like, some people might consider it a cult classic now, I guess. But it's, I would say, it's largely forgotten. Um.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'd say it's largely forgotten. Like, I, my friend Matt, who's uh, really into action movies, had never seen it before. And I only saw it. But I was pretty young, like, I don't know how I was, it wasn't like at the theater or anything, but it was on TV or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, I've seen it, I, obviously I didn't see it in the theater, because I would have been uh, too young for that, but uh, I saw it on cable, and then I think one of my, I think one of my relatives, like, uh, during one of the holidays, like, it might've been Thanksgiving or it might've been Christmas. Like everyone came over and sometimes we'd have people that came from out of town. They'd spend the night at our house. I think they rented it at, uh, during one of those holiday seasons. And and I watched it when I was far too young to be watching it. Sure. But it was, um, it was, uh, let's see. I'm trying, I'm trying to find out where, uh, let's see box office gross. So, Mm-hmm. it was the like fourth highest grossing movie of 1986.
0: Yeah. I mean, even by today's standards, you know, making uh, what a hundred and what do we say? What was the, the box office?
1: It was a hundred and twenty hundred. No, I'm sorry. A hundred and sixty million dollars.
0: Yeah. So you make like a, uh... $135 million profit. That's good even by today's standards. Oh. Back then, I mean, that's, like, huge.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Imagine a lot of it's international, too, because Stallone's, like, in, in, in action movies, I like think, in general, are better off. Like, you know, they translate better than, say, comedies or even dramas just because, you know, it's like, you know, in a lot of ways, you don't really need to follow. I mean, it's a Sylvester Stallone movie. You don't really need to follow the script that much.
1: Right, exactly. But I wanted to put that into perspective because that, uh, obviously, that doesn't sound like a ton of money, now but you know back then and this is coming off this is coming off a like a year prior uh he was in uh rambo first blood part two sylvester sloan and rocky four which were the second and third highest crossing movies of the, of that year so and this is um uh u.s i should i should point out this is u.s box office but,
0: what else is there who cares
1: <laughs> right but um but yeah, so I wanted to, like you know if a movie grossed 160 million now, it would be like well did it did it even make its budget back? But back then, that was uh, that was the the only movies that grossed more money uh, back in back in 1986 uh, were Top Gun uh, and Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> Jeez,
0: you know to put it in perspective, waiting uh, it for inflation. Um, 160 million dollars back in 1986 is basically 384 million dollars today, which sounds a lot more impressive. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a huge hit. You know, like like I said, it came off the back of those other two movies. Sylvester Stallone was incredibly hot. Um, He was so hot, in fact, I didn't even realize this, but apparently, uh, Stallone was originally signed on to. Beverly Hills Cop, the
0: yeah, that's actually part of the origin of this. So yeah, he yeah, I would read because um, uh, go ahead, Mark.
1: I was just gonna say he was originally signed on to Beverly Hills Cop, and then he he did a lot of rewriting of the screen of the screenplay, and he made it much more of, of uh, an action movie. And the studio was like, we can't afford to make this movie anymore so then he was just like okay like uh so he left that project uh for some nobody named eddie murphy to uh become an enormous star out of and
0: um i mean but to be fair him in the same role would have not been anywhere near the same movie
1: oh no no it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been yeah i would i it wouldn't have been as good i don't think but it definitely wouldn't have been it would have been a completely different movie it would have been this movie basically
0: yeah, because if you see uh, if you see Sylvester Stallone uh, for comedies, uh, check out "Stop Around will Shoot."
1: Yeah, go watch the movie Oscar with yes. Marissa Tomei as his daughter.
0: Oh geez, I've never seen that, but it just looked really bad.
1: Oh, it's not it's not good.
0: What's curious too is I mean at this point, like uh, Sylvester Stallone was still like writing because he actually did a lot of the rewrites and mm-hmm. is credited for the story for uh, Cobra. The yeah, Another and- interesting thing about Cobra is, um, do you remember this movie a few years ago? And, and by a few, I mean like 20 that had like, I think, Billy Baldwin and uh, Cindy Crawford in it called like Fair Play
1: or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
0: That's that, that's based off of the same book that Cobra is. They're both based off this book.
1: Oh, wow. Really?
0: I haven't seen the, the uh, Cindy Crawford joint, uh, but yeah, I, I can't imagine it's very similar.
1: No.
0: All I remember from that is the previews is uh, like a Billy Baldwin's talking to Cindy Crawford. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, he's like, she's like, I don't know how to use a gun. He's like, you ever use a camera? Same thing, point and shoot. <laughs> wow, and like, that's like a, the best line to make it to the trailer. You know that's going to be a piece of shit movie. Oh,
1: absolutely. Oh my god. Um. So, yeah this this movie you know did did pretty well. Um, you know especially internationally. Uh, you know in, from for this time. Um, I think this movie this movie and uh commando I think is kind of when um these of, went
0: far over the top
1: yeah and 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 this started the rivalry between Stallone and and um and Schwarzenegger I think
0: I'm not really sure how much of an actual rivalry there is because there's a lot of like interesting like things between the two of them like for example um after, like, one of the after, I think, Rocky 4, uh, like, someone like made a joke, like, uh, who, who's Rocky gonna fight next? You know, he's gonna have to go into outer space to get his next opponent, and that's how they came up with Predator, right? But obviously, it's Schwarzenegger, not uh,
1: Stallone. And uh, Schwarzenegger famously tricked uh, Stallone into doing stop or my mom will shoot because <laughs> <laughs> his agent, like. Schwarzenegger expressed a lot of interest in it just so that uh, Sylvester Stallone's agent would be like, "Hey, you know, if you if you don't do this, Arnold's going to do it."
0: <laughs> and there's like the in joke in um in Last Action Hero where there's a picture of the Terminator, but it's uh, Stallone instead.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, it's yeah, I mean, th- they were in the expendables. So I, I assume there's some kind of friendship I and mean, they didn't they both own Planet Hollywood together? Um... Or had I don't think they owned it, there was some association.
1: Yeah. Yeah, something like that. I th- their rivalry was always more like kind of a friendly rivalry. Like they they wanted to be they they wanted to beat each other. Like they wanted to be the the box office star, but it was never like uh, they never like hated each other or anything. I heard an actual very funny story. I heard a couple different funny stories, but one that um <laughs> that goes to Sylvester Stallone. Apparently, I can't remember what movie it was. Um. Sylvester I think they must have been in this a movie together, so I don't know which one it is, but Sylvester Stallone was in a movie with Richard Gere. Um, let me see if I can find out what movie that was.
0: Stop or my gerbil will shoot.
1: Well, that factors into this. <laughs> um, so I don't, maybe they weren't. Maybe they weren't in a movie together. Maybe they were just on set together, or they were hanging out or something. Um Oh wait, no, okay. I I guess it's called Lords of Flatbush. Um so he was like Stallone wasn't very famous or anything back then. Richard Gere was much more famous, I guess. And but Stallone had this car that he had um you know, like he had on set and everything, and him and Richard Gere went to his car. You know, to have lunch, and Richard Gere, this was before he was a Buddhist. You know, I guess was eating this like some kind of like sandwich, this very messy like sub type sandwich or something like that. I think it was a chicken sandwich, like a barbecue chicken sandwich. And Stallone's like, "Don't eat that in here. You're gonna get stuff all over my car." And uh, Richard Gere just like bit, like took this huge bite and was just like, "You know, shut up or whatever." Basically. And so the rumor is. That Sylvester Stallone, like they they got they had this feud, and I guess they're still feuding to this day. They got into a feud over it, like they got pissed off at each other. And the rumor is that Sylvester Stallone started the gerbil rumor about Richard Keir as payback for eating this messy sandwich in his car.
0: It's interesting how those rumors like get started and like they just kind of pass them on from generation to generation. Like, I mean, there was like uh, I think there was like this. I don't know if he was the first one, but people always claim like Rod Stewart like was rushed to the emergency room and just had like a stomach full of jizz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard that one. But then, like, when I was younger, like, I heard the same thing about one of the new kids on the block. Like, they said the same mm-hmm. thing with that. So I imagine, I mean, I wasn't, you know, of an age where I'd get, you know, information like that. Like, imagine with like the, uh, the Backstreet Boys and Sync and all those people. You probably heard the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you probably heard the same thing about all of them. It's just kinda curious. I mean it's like it's kind of like an urban legend sort of thing. Yeah. But I've never heard such a specific rumor like the gerbil thing with anyone else other than Richard Gere. It's it's so weird. I mean, he's gotta be aware of that, right?
1: I would imagine, yeah. It's very specific. I'd like I mean, if
0: not, you know some random assholes like yelled it at him when he's you know, walked down the street or something.
1: I'd like to have Richard Gere on so we can ask him about it. Here's a question: uh, How
0: many movies have you ever seen with Richard Gere in them? I've seen one, Pretty Woman.
1: Um, let's see. So I, I've seen two. Uh, for the <laughs> Retro Late fee podcast, we watched some movie called Intersection with him in it, which was absolutely fucking terrible. And yeah, then I, I and, and then I watched Primal Fear. Uh, just oh, I, did, I
0: did see Primal Fear. He's pretty good, man. Actually, I, I like that. Movie. Yeah, it's
1: a decent movie. Primal Fear is pretty good. Um, I've seen Pretty Woman. I've seen the Runaway Bride, unfortunately, which is basically just Pretty Woman again, kind of. I mean, not really, but you know, it's say it's a it's a romantic comedy. It's the same basic plot structure. And then besides that, um, oh, I watched American Gigolo for the first time. Yeah,
0: I've heard of that. I isn't Louis Gossett Jr. in that too?
1: No, it's um. That's
0: I think.
1: Somebody else. It's uh the guy. It's the guy from Predator, isn't it?
0: Arnold Schwarzenegger?
1: No, 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 no. The black guy from Predator. Um...
0: Carl uh, Weathers?
1: Nope. Uh, I can't
0: think of The, the... other one, dude. The, dude the... Bill Duke, uh, is that his name? Yeah, the, the, bald, the bald guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he's
1: in it's, it. Somebody, I
0: think he's an ex-football player or something like
1: that. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's in that movie. That movie's absolutely garbage. It is one of the worst fucking pieces of shit I've ever seen. They, they made really? movies made back then. Now, here's the thing. I like a lot. There are a lot of old movies that I like, and, and anyone that knows me knows that I'm, you know, the last person to be like, "Oh, if it's old, it sucks." But there are so many fucking movies from the late '70s and early '80s and stuff like that that are just they're like, "Oh, it's a classic," and they're just terrible. Let me give you let me give you a bit of an example, Mike, about how bad this oh. movie how bad this movie is. Uh, the song "Call Me" by Blondie is uh, heavily featured in the movie, so much so it's basically the only song they play. So the regular version plays over the the opening credits, and then it's like they got that band from Casino Windsor to do uh, covers of it. Because oh, no. at one point there's like it's a, like a tense moment and everything, and it's like kind of depressing, and like in the background you just hear like "Call Me." On the line. It's like all slowed down and shit. It's like, what are you doing? This sounds terrible.
0: Basically they had the money to, uh, to license one song and that was it.
1: I guess so. It was, it's so, the movie moves so slowly. Barely anything happens. The plot is kind of ridiculous and it's just, it's so dumb. That's funny. Yeah. It's no good. Um,
0: but yeah, let's uh, uh Cobra a little bit. It's a really kind of odd movie. Like it, it's like a movie that's all swagger with like little to no substance. Um Absolutely. Basically, the plot is uh, there's this a uh, detective uh, who they call Cobra, but, it, but I didn't realize it until I watched it this time <laughs> that his real name is like Cobretti. Yeah. Like it's Cobra, but it's kind an Italian. <laughs> you know, thing at the end of it.
1: Hey Cobretti, Marion Cobretti. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that's his name, yeah. Lieutenant Marion Cobretti
0: nice but yeah so like at the beginning of the movie he like he goes into a a grocery store where guys like just murdering people and he you know he cracks open a beer says some wise cracks and Mm -hmm. solves the situation you know pretty easily which you know what else would you expect you you have to show off how badass he is like in the first five minutes yeah like this this guy going around called the night slasher which i assume is like based on the night stalker but maybe the years don't match up quite on that but anyways it's like Someone's like murdering people with, you know, uh, it's really odd. It's like, I don't even, it doesn't make any sense, essentially. Mm. It's like a game that has all these giant axes. And I don't know if they're supposed to be like um, a cult or what, but basically they're just like trying to murder people and usher in like a new world order, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. One of those. (laughs) Gene Nielsen witnesses it. And then Cobra is like, you know, trying to, it's, it's just like a really just like, you could like write it, Watch it, direct it, and act in it in your sleep. It's it's just I mean it's just such a. And he did. I mean, even at the time, I think it's like a generic like action movie. You know, it's it's nothing new to the genre, but it's it's huge. It's this huge movie. It it sells, you know, like th- like we said, like almost four hundred million dollars. You know, it's one of the top movies of the whole year. Mm-hmm. It's got one of the most top actors, but it's just like it's so forgettable that after it's just like gone. And then on the other hand, we have Big Trouble in Little China, which yeah. I watched. These over, and I realized they both occurred in the same year, which I thought was kind of curious, which is kind of what, you know, led us to this because one of them, like Big Trouble in Little China, uh, let's see, its initial budget was $25 million, and at the box office, I think it made like $15 million, so it, it just lost a ton of money for that time.
1: Yeah, for sure. I want to point out, too, person, I want to real quick, I just want to point out, too, that it has one of the best posters of all time, uh, you know, animated by Drew Struzen, the. Uh, you know, famous, um, uh, poster artist, but yeah, it's like, it, like, and cause that the big part of this that we're going to get to is marketing. I mean like that, I think that's, that's kind of the, the common denominator or, the, or the, the reason for why this happened. But, um, but I mean, they started off on the right foot with a great poster.
0: Sure. And I mean, it's a John Carpenter movie with a uh, Kurt Russell. You basically can't go wrong at that point. I mean, I think The Thing was before this, and yeah. also I believe um, Escape from New York was also before this. Yep, that's right. Both like instant classics. I mean, The Thing, I mean, uh, find a better, like, you know, sci fi horror movie than The Thing. I'll, I'll wait. Yeah. But I mean, he has, you know, he has, he has every, all the stars are aligned. He has, um, you know, he has Kurt Russell again. I think Kim Cattrall is the female lead.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like, but then it just goes like to the movies and, and no one no one goes to see it. but here we are, like uh, let's see five, thirty five years later, everybody knows big trouble in Little China. Ask the average person about the movie Cobra. they have no idea what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. they'll say Cobra Kai? or is that what you're talking I mean, mm-hmm. it's just so weird how like, you know something like that like just vanishes. It's just such generic and like, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's almost like the market kind of rewards the better film at the end. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of *Big Trouble in Little China*, but it's definitely better than you know *Cobra*, and it's it's certainly more memorable. And it's it's not you know a g- generic like you know entry into the action market.
1: What well, one of the things that I think is so funny and endearing about, uh, and I think this kind of speaks to what you're talking about too, where Cobras, Cobras, very you know just like it, it's, I mean, it it spawned a bunch of imitators, but it also kind of came. By imitating, you know, other action movies in the genre, because by '86, the you know it was getting pretty established what the what the tropes were, and obviously, Big Trouble in Little China is very different. Um, but one of the things I think is kind of endearing about it is um, on the commentary track for this movie, uh, Kurt Russell is talking about how um, he's like, you know, I don't, I. I didn't know if I wanted to do this movie and everything because he'd been in a bunch of movies that kind of flopped at the box office, and he talked to John Carpenter, and John Carpenter was like, "I don't care if it if it's successful or not. I just want to make another movie with you." <laughs> and I think that's just, I think that's just so sweet. that Carpenter's like, "I don't fucking care. I just want to make another movie with you."
0: That's funny, but I mean, yeah, it's you know a classic. Uh, it's it's kinda of funny how like some directors will find like an actor or actress like uh Martin Scorsese and uh Leonardo DiCaprio or obviously yeah. Yeah. Robert, DiCaprio, but now like, that's like I think Leonardo DiCaprio is in like every one of his movies right now.
1: Yeah. Well and the, the so this movie too is more I think more influential than Cobra. For instance, like Oh there's no question. Like that the you know, the uh Thunder God or whatever is like that I mean that's where they got Raiden from Mortal Kombat.
0: I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. For he, sure. Even David Lopan kind of looks like the one guy uh, who's like in the first one. He's like the head of the tournament. And you can play him. Yeah. But I cannot remember his name. Shang Tsun. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's right. And I I, w- I would assume that that also kind of comes from from this movie too. I would I would guess.
0: I mean, he looks almost identical to him.
1: Yeah. Um. But yeah, like you know, the, so one of the things i think is great about this movie is it's a very and kurt russell's like the you know the perfect person to to play jack burton the uh the protagonist because it's one of those movies where the the guy is supposed to be in in a different movie jack burton would be like cuz he's a truck driver but he's you know he's fighting against these like this um you know evil forces and things like that all this magical mystical stuff and in a different movie, a Sylvester Stallone written movie, because his ego would get in the way. Um, Sylvester Stallone
0: movie, uh, the truck driver arm wrestles for custody of his children. Right,
1: exactly. No, but it, in a different movie, this character would be like uh, like the best in the world. He would just, uh, he'd be like a, a, an arms expert and, uh, you know, like a tactician and, and all this stuff. He'd be completely indestructible, but the way it's written and the way Kurt Russell plays it is he's kind of an idiot. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's, but it's endearing. Yeah. He's got, he's got all this confidence, but he like fails constantly. And the, that lack of ego, um, like you said, it really makes it endearing. It really, it adds a, a different element to the movie. And I think that's, I think that's one of the yeah, keys to its there's, success. There's, fun
0: to it, which, you know, most, like, you know, action movies aren't especially fun. I mean, there's some light moments in some of the best ones. Like, for example, there's quite a few light moments in, ah, um, uh, shit, what's the name? True uh, True Lies, which is yeah. one of my favorite action movies. I mean, there's fun to it, you know, but, mm-hmm. like, in Cobra, like, there's not a moment. I mean, it's not even, like, not even when he's, like, you know, being a badass. Is it fun? It's like he's, like, trying too hard. It's, it's just there's no attempt at anything other. like, oh, look at me. I'm a badass, and I'm fighting these guys with axes.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is it's like big, like, uh, like you said, Big Trouble in Little China is, is fun and Cobra's kind of just dour.
0: It's so I'm, I'm so fascinated by these movies that like just survive and thrive on word of mouth. Like another one that's a really good example of that is super troopers, which I think you mm-hmm. and I have probably seen like 10 times.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for
0: like sure. The, the previews for it, I, I, it looked aggressively bad. Like they like showed like some of the worst possible clips in it. It just mm-hmm. looked really bad. And I don't remember whose idea it was. Someone you know eventually convinced us to watch it. And it's like, oh my god, this movie's like an instant classic. There's so many great lines and funny scenes, uh, yep. characters. It's just like it, I don't know. It was marketed so poorly. Like I don't know if what happened with Big Trouble in Little China, whereas it was like a huge hit when it came out. But I mean, obviously, it resonates with people because you know. My uh, my two children watched it with us the other day, um, and they're seven and twelve, and they both liked it. So mm-hmm. I mean, there's like universal, you know, parts to it that are just fun.
1: Yeah, I I um I don't know exactly. Obviously, we're a little young to kind of remember the like you know the marketing plan behind uh, both these movies, but I would have to imagine that that's kind of what it comes down to. Why one was more successful at the box office than the other one is because one was marketed uh, more aggressively or just better than the other one uh John Carpenter's movies had a had a tendency to be mismarketed a lot um and a lot of his movies weren't really you know critical successes or i mean financial successes and they found their audience later uh in home video and things like that
0: it makes you wonder, like, what classic movies were kind of lost when they were only on film and they never even bothered to make, like, a video. Cause I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, I remember they used to on VHS tapes and DVDs, they'd have where you could, like, you'd be subjected to, like, a preview of another movie that, mm-hmm. you know, usually, usually the theme studio had. But I mean, who's to say, like, back in, like, 1973, there was a great movie that just nobody really got and they just never. I assume they probably did put it on some, you know, media at some point, right? I mean, there's going to be some some movies that are lost, you know, some great movies that we'll never see,
1: for sure. Yeah, that uh, you know that movie, I, like, and some that probably just like disintegrated over the years. You know that movie, um, Event Horizon. Yeah, I just saw a because I guess they recently recently released a like a Blu-ray like kind of ultimate edition or whatever but like i criterion I, or something yeah but i just heard a fact about it today that there's like 40 minutes of additional footage that they shot where it's uh, like a lot more gore and a lot more like kind of horror elements to it but they stored it in a salt mine in Romania cuz i guess that's that's a thing they
0: do as one does well,
1: i guess i don't know why Romania but that i guess that's a thing they do with with film um, because the salt, uh, you know, uh, absorbs the moisture so it doesn't, uh, yep. damage the print.
0: Yeah. The film is very flammable too. Yeah.
1: But I guess they stored it improperly. the extra footage and it just got destroyed.
0: That's crazy. So
1: there's no, there's no way anyone can see, like you can't do like a director's cut or whatever. There's no way you can see that, that extra footage. So I'll, I'll bet you there are some movies out there. That, you know, might be terrible or might have been re- some of them that might have been really good that we'll never see that just were stored improperly and got destroyed.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Event Horizon. It's okay, but it's it's not the greatest movie. I mean, the best horror movie I've ever seen with uh, Sam Neill is Dead Calm. That is a great movie. Oh, I don't yeah. know why Dead that Calm's movie's not movie. like super. That, I mean, Billy Zane is so good. And that is like the, uh, you know, the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. Um, but yeah, and Nicole Kidman's, and I, I, I wonder, if, was that an Sam Austra- Neill? Is he Australian or British? I th-
1: he might be Australian. I'm not sure. I don't know.
0: who' uh. seen him attack crocodiles?
1: <laughs> I like um, so I like him in uh in the Mouth of Madness too.
0: Yeah, he's good. He's good in that too.
1: Um, I would say that um, yeah, I would say. So I the I saw Event Horizon like a long time ago. I remember the first it was Irish, Northern Ireland. Oh. Um so yeah, technically I guess. Oh wait, no, okay, so we, this is weird. He was born uh in Northern Ireland, but his citizenship is New Zealand, United Kingdom, and Ireland. Hmm. So
0: that's kinda of funny, like uh, ACDC, I think they're actually from Scotland, but they mm-hmm. like grew up in Australia, so
1: I guess so yeah, he he went to the University of Wellington. Um yeah, he moved uh, to New Zealand with his family in '54. He was born in '47, so yeah, he was like uh, seven years old. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he 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 was born in Northern Ireland, but he grew up in New Zealand. So that's that's That'd pretty much true. Australian.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much a touch of a little more Britain added to your uh, New Zealand mix. Yeah, there you go. I feel like people in New Zealand are just like really like you know just like laid back. They seem to be, except for that shooter they had a few years ago.
1: Yeah. Well they have I th- think they have like almost no coronavirus over there so that's good for them.
0: Yeah, I know at one point they had like zero people in the country at least that they knew of.
1: Um but on on Rotten Tomatoes, Cobra has a 14% on the Tomato Meter and a 42% audience score, so both pretty bad. Uh you want to take a guess at what Big Trouble in Little China's scores are?
0: It's 75
1: uh, seventy-eight on the Tomato Meter, and the audience score is eighty-two percent.
0: Yeah, I figured the audience would be more.
1: So, yeah, like, uh, and but I mean, pretty close too, though, with the critical consensus, and uh, very, very much more uh, beloved than the other one.
0: I wonder, uh, like if you could find somehow, like. How, how quickly the sales dropped off at a uh, Cobra. Like did it have like a huge like opening weekend? And then it's like, yeah, it's not that good.
1: It had a, from what I read, it had a pretty good opening weekend. I think something like 12 to $13 million opening weekend, oh. which was a, which was pretty good back then. Um, and then it uh, it dropped off from there, but I don't know how, how far it dropped off. Um, you know, you have to remember that like, like ET was in movie theaters for like a year and a half. So yeah, it's true. back in 86, they'd stay in theaters for a long time. Because <laughs> there was there was no like, you know, like home video would take forever for it to get to. And there wasn't. Yeah,
0: it, was, it was crazy. It would take like it seems like six to eight months for something to come out after it stopped playing at the, uh, mm-hmm. the theater. Oh, yeah. And when DVDs came out, like at a certain point, it was like, like, I think this movie just went out of the theater like a month ago and it's already in DVD. Yeah, I know. It's
1: weird, right? And it'll go to like on demand even faster. Like uh, yeah, imagine it's
0: demand. the the media like you know putting it all on like the tape and shit from a VHS a real pain in the ass because I'm sure they want to get them out as soon as possible while it's so fresh in your mind.
1: You would think so. I know. I know. E. T. took forever to get to home video. Like I think it was like like four or five years till it got to home video. Jeez, like that one took famously long for some reason. And I think it was because they would re-release it a lot of times. So Yeah, that that
0: kept coming out.
1: Yeah, because it would, it would come out for, because that's one of the, E.T.'s one of the first movies I saw in the theater, and I think E.T. came out in 82, and I think I saw it in 84. So it was, yeah. it, it had been re-released at the drive-in theater. It was paired with, um, I want to say it was paired with uh, Return of the Jedi. It was like E.T., then a cartoon, then Return of the Jedi, and that's the first movie I can remember seeing.
0: I know I saw ET in the theater. It was actually the main art theater, but I don't know. Um, I don't know at what point in its release it was. Look like, at it. It definitely wasn't the first run.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because like I said, they kept re-releasing that thing, um, and that's why they they for the longest time they were like, no, we just keep making more money at the box office on this.
0: Right. I don't think that movie's that good.
1: Uh, I, you know that's another one that I haven't seen in so long that I don't know. I showed it to my, my oldest daughter when she was about four, three or four years old, and it traumatized her for years.
0: Yeah, my, my youngest saw it with her grandmother, and I think it did kind of freak her out a little bit.
1: I was like, I had a, a plush toy of this thing when I was your age. I don't understand how this scares you. She did not like E.T. So and anytime I would go, I'd sometimes I'd look at her and I'd just go, Oh, uh, she'd be like, "Don't, no, don't do it. It would freak her the fuck out. Oh, happy birthday, Ava. Um, Not her birthday till uh, September. But anyway. Right. But yeah, so I, I think to me, the biggest difference between these movies is the marketing. I mean, the biggest difference as far as like why one was more popular than the other is the marketing. It has to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe like the—I I don't know how the advertisers were for Victor Little China*. It probably like was kind of like you know seemed a little too like esoteric, you know, for the average person. It's like, what? he's in like Chinatown and now he's fighting like you know Chinese gods and stuff, or maybe it wasn't really explained that well. Like, I mean, um, some again, some trailers just aren't really good at that. Though, I think one of the best trailers ever is probably for *The Matrix*, because it kind of intrigues you enough mm-hmm. to see see the movie to see what the hell are you talking about.
1: Back back then in the eighties, it was like very much opposite of *The Matrix*, where. It would like tell you like plot by like pl- point by point the entire plot of the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like the the stereotypical like you know so and so is a so and so out of water.
1: Yeah, exactly. Jack Burton was just God, trying to trying get uh, his uh, goods to the the market, but Kim Cattrall needs help.
0: Right. Yeah. Two guys, two girls with green eyes. <laughs>
1: That's right. Green eyes. do Do you do you like green eyes, Mike?
0: I mean, I, I guess I, I, I've always heard that green eyes indicate there's some sort of incest within your family at some point. Oh, nice. I think it's a isn't like a recessive trait or a dominant trait, or something it can only be pulled out by like some kind of incestual type thing.
1: Someone didn't pull out. Right. Someone's cousin didn't pull out in time. I don't. I might have green eyes. I'm not sure. I'm not I mean, tr- that's
0: just what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. I can't
1: tell because... Um, I'm, I'm
0: no genealogist.
1: Because I'm colorblind, so I can't tell. But, um,
0: That's weird because you sure point out a black person pretty <laughs> quick.
1: Bill Duke. um, <laughs> You know. But, yeah, I... Uh, you ever
0: notice how people who tell you that they aren't racist are pretty quick to tell you the uh, sexuality or or race of someone?
1: Oh, for sure.
0: I'm not racist, but you know I just talked to my friend at work, black guy. <laughs>
1: I'm not prejudiced, but uh, you know that that gay dude down there is... Uh...
0: And I told him, hey, I like gay people, so he knows I'm I'm good with them. But I mean, you know, don't don't hit on me or anything.
1: Look, I'm not racist. <laughs> All I'm saying is those people's always causing the troubles.
0: The Blue Jays.
1: <laughs> Look, I said I'm not a
0: racist. <laughs> 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 oh god oh I, I think i saw something that i was either today or yesterday it was the 25th anniversary of brain candy
1: oh yeah yeah that's right
0: uh you know i'm gonna go out here and say that i'm not a big fan of brain candy i don't know why it's it's just it, it's not i know my wife likes it a lot i don't know how you feel about it i mean it's not a bad movie but it's just it's very like. Uh, Kind of hastily put together, I feel like it's just like a kind of a lot of like a kind of boring plot, and then they just drag some characters in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I...
0: I, I've, I've gone on record multiple times saying that I love the kids in the hall, but
1: yeah, I haven't seen brain candy probably in 25 years so. I mean that probably says something too. Honestly, I remember liking it when it came out, but I never went back to it. But I've gone back to the Kids in the Hall sketch show many, many times. So, I'm on yeah. this. I'm on this weird website, Mike, called Oh Jeez, Melly. Let's see, Homemade
0: Simpson stuff.
1: No, it's it's Because M- I looked up our green eyes here. Question: Are green eyes a sign of inbreeding? And it, I, I don't know that it answers the question, but this is very interesting. Where's here, it, it asks a series of questions itself and then answers them. Why are green eyes so beautiful? The conclusion, green eyes are considered attractive because it's a rare color. I, I, guess, I mean, I know it's a rare color, but I don't know why that makes it a t- more attractive. Common eye colors like brown, blue, even black, what, <laughs> are typically seen all around because of its pigmentation. Green eyes, however, are rarely seen, and that's what make them appealing. Can a blue-eyed father and a brown-eyed mother have a green-eyed child? Blue-eyed boy and a brown-eyed girl. Uh, First, the answer is yes to both questions. Two blue-eyed parents can produce green or brown-eyed children. Two blue-eyed parents can't produce a brown-eyed child, can they? Brown's a dominant trait.
0: Keep telling yourself that.
1: (laughs) Eye color is not the simple... Decision between brown or green and blue versions of a single gene. Okay, whatever. Um, what is now now here's the third question. What is the most inbred state in America?
0: Roll tide.
1: <laughs> most inbred states, two thousand. Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, Maine. And then it says more items.
0: Huh. Is that in order?
1: I guess. So it's Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, and Maine. I can see Maine.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know how those people are.
1: There's not a lot to do up there. It's a bunch of trees.
0: Maybe, you know, talk about the encounters you've had with Stephen King.
1: Yeah, you drink enough maple syrup and, you know, you'll do anything. Uh... Did, you know, did you know that... Uh...
0: <laughs> Sorry. Did you know that uh, Judd from the sand is based on me? Nah. <laughs>
1: Oh, what do Uh, do green eyes mean? Green eyes, because they are rare—a rare rare color—are often considered mysterious. People with green eyes are said to be very curious about nature, passionate in relationships, blah blah blah. But then it's like, so it's like, what country? What countries marry cousins? It's like it's alternating between facts about green eyes and facts about incest. It's like fucking Moby Dick. It's the Moby Dick of websites. You know that book uh, alternates chapters between like here's how to make a dinghy. Now here's more story about the whale. Here's uh you know how to process sperm whale blubber. Uh, here's more story about the whale. Let's see what countries Mary cousins um uh United Arab Emirates, Jordan, Yemen, and Palestinian territories apparently. Um, you
0: know, I actually I actually was listening to something. I don't know where it was, um, but it was actually kind of interesting. He actually did say that. Uh, and this, uh, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they do say a lot of people like in the middle Eastern countries are, uh, there's a much higher instance of inbreeding there than it is, you know, in other countries.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, just a fact. I what... mean,
0: it's a lot, I mean, it's a lot of cousins, cousins, it's like the Royal family.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, this, it, it dovetails nicely with this next question. What is wrong inbreeding? That is what, what is wrong with inbreeding? what is wrong inbreeding key takeaways inbreeding occurs when two closely related organisms mate with each other and produce offspring. The two main negative consequences of inbreeding are an increased risk of undesirable genes and a reduction in genetic diversity. Did you ever see, um, uh, the Wolf of wall street talking about Leonardo DiCaprio?
0: I started to watch it and I actually started to read the book. The book is very bad. Like, the author, mm-hmm. I think it's actually the person... I don't know if he's got a helper or something. I don't know. But I, I, I couldn't get through, like, six pages of the book. It's just, like, the most, like, name-dropping... I mean, it's basically what you would expect that person to be like is how they're, like, in the book.
1: hmm Yeah.
0: And the movie... I, I mean, I'll give the movie another try, but, I mean, I don't know. Same kind of shit, I think.
1: Yeah, so there's a, there's a point in the in the movie where... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is talking to his business partner played by Jonah Hill. And he's like, you know, uh, you know, I hear rumors about you and stuff like that. It's just crazy stuff. He's like, what? Like what? He's like, you know, like he you married your cousin or whatever. And he's like, this scene is so brilliant, too. Jonah Hill plays this so well. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I married, I married one of my cousins. He's like, like first cousin or second cousin. He's like, he's like. Yeah, you know, like, he's like, okay, so here's how it goes. He's like, uh, her mom is uh, my dad's sister. So, yeah, yeah, first, uh, first and he's like, what, aren't you worried about, like, having kids? He's like, we got a couple kids. <laughs> he's like, are they, he's like, are they retarded or whatever? He's like, no, no, he's like, I don't think so. And like he's like, well, what would you? And he's like, he's like, here's you know what happened is that like you know I had this cousin and everything, and I, I we grew up together. I knew her and everything. He's like, she grows up hot, and all these guys are coming around, like, hey, you know, like, let me fuck your sister or whatever. And he's like, you know, he's like, if anybody's gonna fuck my my or cousin, I mean, if anybody's gonna fuck my cousin, it's 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 gonna be me out of respect. You
0: know?
1: <laughs> and he's like, so uh, he's like, so um. Like Leonardo is like, what would you do if you had a, a child that was like, you know, like that? And he's like, oh, you know, I just take him in the car and and drive him up to the woods and you know, just like let him out and be like, hey, you know, you're on your own now. Good good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a really funny scene. Um,
0: yeah, so I might get that other shot.
1: But uh, uh, anyway, so the last question on here is: Is Green Eyes a mutation from inbreeding? Here's the answer, Mike. Green eyes are a genetic mutation that produces low levels of melanin, but more than blue eyes. As in blue eyes, there is no green pigment. That's the answer. Helpful. What the fuck? I think,
0: I, I think you, you found the site of somebody trying to dodge the question.
1: Yeah. Why? why so the question right before this is, why do gingers have yellow teeth? <laughs> We've been talking about how most natural redheads have very fair translucent skin. In turn, this means thinner teeth, enamel, and yellow looking teeth. Very good. Oh my God.
0: Oh I was watching this thing. Um it was like a clip from bowling. It was like the first time somebody on like a, has like, like the fourth time within like a very short period or a very long period mm-hmm. that somebody like picked up a seven ten split. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a, it was like a red haired guy and they called him the ginger assessed,
1: <laughs> <laughs> which is, which oh, is weird. <laughs> oh, okay. Apparently Mike, new research shows that people with blue eyes have a single common ancestor. Although I well, guess that doesn't really mean much. Yeah. I mean, cause they're talking about, I mean, to,
0: a, at a certain point, you know, we all go back to Adam and Eve in the Bible. <laughs> exactly.
1: Right. Exactly. But um apparently originally we all, we all had brown eyes it says. So I guess if you don't have brown eyes you have some common ancestor there.
0: I mean again common ancestor that doesn't really mean much.
1: No. I don't know.
0: But right?
1: I'll uh <laughs> I'll assume that uh, there was a lot of inbreeding in my family. It just that seems like something my family would do. Jeez. <laughs> uh, oh, Aska. Uh, Ask your wife's mom about um, some of our ancestors. Some of her, she's got some theories about ancestors we've had. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I guess uh, I guess that's our episode for tonight. Uh, thank it you.
0: Ended on a positive note.
1: Thank you for uh, for joining us about this uh, this look back at big trouble in Little China and Cobra. What do you like better? Do you like Big Trouble in Little China better or Cobra? I, I
0: guess, but I mean, it's not, I, I'm not a huge fan of really either of them. Oh, by the way, rest in peace, uh, Dmx.
1: That's right, Dmx. Done.
0: Apparently, he was a big fan of the Golden Girls.
1: Oh, well, that's good. He's probably partying with some of most of them now. I think they're they're yeah. almost all dead, right? Except for Betty White. All
0: except, all except for Betty White. Yeah, and even Stanley Spornek is
1: dead. Betty White made that deal with uh, fucking Little Nas X and his boss Satan. <laughs> And she gets to live forever now, I guess. I mean, she's
0: care of herself. Yeah, she seems
1: like a good person. She was married to Alan Ludden, and then he died uh, huh. like fifty five years ago, and she hasn't uh, married or dated since. So. Jeez. Oh, yeah, they asked her one time about it, and she's like, "Well, when you had the best, why, why, uh, you know, why would you go for anybody else?" So I respect sure. it. I respect it, Betty White, and I liked Alan Ludden. He hosted uh, fucking Password and shit. Nice. Anyway, so uh, keep uh, keep on keeping on, Betty White's Rest in peace, DMX. Uh, rest in peace, somebody else, too. Somebody else, too. Oh, yeah. Prince yeah, Philip? Yeah, Prince Philip. Queen Elizabeth's uh, husband. 99 years old. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, DMX is only 50. Yeah. <laughs> also, the guy from uh, the CEO of BJ's died. I don't know if they said why these like thirty nine or forty nine something like that. Who the what? There's a there's a wholesale club like like a Costco called BJ's. Oh, and the the CEO of it died.
1: Oh okay. Did he die while getting a BJ? I don't know, but
0: why would they go with that name still?
1: I don't understand it either. I
0: mean, you could change it. I mean, and so like it's funny. <laughs> My like seven year old like she goes, "Do you like oh." What store are you going to, Richard's? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's man. like, I mean, just change the name. You're not going to call a place, you know, cockfuckers just because, uh, you know, in uh, you know, 1930, your grandfather, Stefanoff uh, Cockfucker, uh, <laughs> right. you know, opened the store. I mean, come on.
1: Exactly. Oh, my God. Our last name is Chicken Lover now.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Let's see. Yeah, 49 years old. Don't know why. Lee Delaney. He's got the look of a cokehead, but jeez. I don't <laughs> just... know what you say that. Rest in peace, Delaney. Uh, presumed natural causes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. At forty nine, what's natural about that? Fuck that.
0: I mean, is it like COVID or something? I guess that would be natural causes, right? Or I mean, I guess would even like cancer or something be natural causes? That's yeah. a very broad, you know. Yeah. I Maybe mean, attacked by a by a walrus would be natural causes.
1: That's true. He could have been hit by a tornado.
0: He could be. He could have been turning into a tusk.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's completely natural. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, anyway. So, rest in peace, uh, CEO of BJ's, a place I've never heard of in my life.
0: There's one by us. I have a membership. No, good for you. That's probably the way I found out about it. Like you know, like if you like, because I was looking up like uh, their ad or something, or maybe their coupons the other day. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's why I showed up.
1: Are they one of those ones that uh, that sells coffins? Like, doesn't Costco sell coffins?
0: No, I, I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, if he had been a CEO of Costco, at least, you know, he'd get a good discount right. for a coffin.
1: Oh, my God. There was a, so, real quick, before we go. Uh, Red Letter Media, which is a YouTube channel that I love, they do a parody of, like, terrible comic book movie and, like, Star Wars movie podcasts uh, called the Nerd Crew. If you ever, if you ever have a chance, check out the Nerd Crew. Just look it up. There's like 12 videos of that they've done, but they, it's like, like they have a set like just filled with toys and shit like that, and they're just parroting, um, you know how these, these uh, different podcasts will like you know never criticize uh any of the franchises always like give glowing things and stuff like that and they do these different product placement things and the funniest one was and they save it for the they save the punchline for the end of the show too because they bring it up at the beginning they're like uh one of our sponsors is Nerd uh Nerd Coffin and uh they're like uh with Nerd Coffin if you die before the next big tentpole movie is released uh you can get it streamed directly into uh you know your coffin uh, so that you can watch it while you decompose or whatever. And then then at the end they go so we'd like to uh, thank our sponsor uh Nerd Coffin the product that lets you be mint in box. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! And I've never forgot it. It's hilarious. But um, yeah, check out uh, the nerd crew if you if you get a chance. It's like I know you don't like um, the comic book stuff and everything. It might not be quite as funny to you if you if you've never listened to any of those. But they absolutely nail uh these like these different podcasts or like you know YouTube shows where they talk about um Star Wars and stuff like that, how they're like, oh, we got invited to the premiere and and everything. We were at the premiere. Just so you here's a bunch of pictures of us at the premiere. You know, we got invited to the premiere. <laughs>
0: uh
1: anyway, that's our show for the uh, week. We will see you next week. Bye. We'll see you next
0: week.